Welcome to the Congregation of Yahweh. We're passionate about declaring the truths that the Bible contains. It's for everyone. We'll hope you'll enjoy and be enriched by this message. We're at the start of an exciting new theme. Yeshua, that's my King. Do you know him? Last week we heard from Pastor Alcott that Yeshua had an existence before he came to Bethlehem. And today we're going to be looking at the incredible, mind-blowing miracle by which this divine being who existed from eternity was sent to earth to be born as every child is born from the womb of a woman. My title today is Unto Us a Child is Born. The Old Testament is packed with information about Yeshua. There are hundreds of prophecies. These prophecies refer to him sometimes as the Messiah, sometimes as the Anointed One, various other titles. Some of the prophecies describe him as a kingly Messiah and some of them as a suffering Messiah. There are two distinct branches of prophecy. So we have Yeshua with these two branches of prophecy running out from him, from his life. The the suffering Messiah is the one that we are familiar with. The kingly Messiah is the one who will very soon come back to this earth. Let's have a look what Isaiah had to say, and it's in chapter 9 and verse 6. And he said this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now this prophecy is speaking of the child and the king or the ruler. He will be a child given to Israel. Now Isaiah was an Israelite. And he said, unto us, this is to Israel. So the promised Messiah has to be from Israel. And he would also be a ruler and a prince. That Yahweh's pre-existent son should arrive in our world as a dependent baby is mind-blowing. What do we know about this incredible story? What do you know about it? We think we know quite a lot, but today I want to have a little look, what I call behind the scenes of two major events, the pregnancy and the nativity. First of all, who were his parents? The people in the village of Nazareth would have known Yeshua's parents as Miriam and Yosef. 
And they are the Hebrew pronunciations of the names that in England we know as Miriam and Joseph. And those are the names I thought I would use today. So Miriam and Joseph, arguably, they are the, the most famous couple ever. And they were handpicked for the most important parent, parenting job in the history of the world. They had to nurture and rear the son of Yahweh. They were chosen from Israel because remember, the son, the child was from Israel. Both Miriam and Joseph could trace their family tree back to the royal line of David. But you know, since they lived in the village of Nazareth, I presume they were not from the wealthy branch. Yahweh chooses whom he chooses. That the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah was prophesied way back in the book of Genesis by Jacob himself. And later, Yahweh promised King David, who was from the tribe of Judah, that the Messiah would come, the ruler would come from his personal family line within that tribe. Do you know, brothers and sisters, there are 109 distinct prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. There are many more, but 109 of them were absolutely fulfilled by Yeshua during his life. That's incredible, isn't it? <clears throat> now, when my story begins today, Life was unfolding in Nazareth predictably and happily. Joseph and Miriam were betrothed. Now, Jewish marriage has three stages. There's an engagement, a period of engagement, where the girl has opportunity. She can still change her mind if she wants to. And then there's the betrothal. And the betrothal lasts for a whole year and during that time, the man and the woman are known as husband and wife, and you can only come out of a betrothal by death or by divorce. And in fact, if a man died during that betrothal period, the girl was known as a virgin widow. So then after the youth betrothal, then there was the marriage. These two were betrothed and their lives and the lives of their righteous families were about to be shattered. In Matthew we read, Now the birth of Yeshua the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Miriam had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> There's a whole world of mind-numbing pain and confusion tucked away in this statement. 
Let's have a look at Miriam's story. The angel Gabriel came to visit one day. Greetings, favoured lady, he said. Yahweh is with you. Well, now let's remember that Miriam was a teenager. She may well have been only 13 or 14 years old. And I think she was probably terrified. In fact, the Bible says that when she saw this angel, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused, as who wouldn't be, at what he said, and kept revolving in her mind what such a greeting might mean. Don't be afraid, he said. You have found favour with Yahweh. You will conceive and give birth to a son. He went on, he'll be very great. He'll be called the son of the most high. Yahweh will give him the throne of David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Is that supposed to make her feel better? Could she get comforted from that? Could she even take it in? Well, she's actually spotted a major snag. She said, well, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. No, that's not a problem. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is Luke 1.35. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of Yahweh. And she said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of Yahweh. Let it be done to me according to what you have said. Now, I never read this verse without thinking that it is one of the bravest things I have ever heard. This woman, this girl, she was a betrothed virgin. Yahweh had chosen her for a major job, so she was sanctified, she was pure, she was devout, and she was quietly offering room not only in her life, but in her womb for the son of Yahweh. It was a remarkable surrender to the will of Yahweh. At that point in history, in that country with those people, pregnancy before marriage was considered a crime and it carried along with it the death penalty. I wonder when the full implication of that hit Miriam. How soon did she rush off to the hillside town in Judea and why did she go there? Was it because the angel had told her that her her relative, Elizabeth, who'd never been able to have children, was six months pregnant? Did she rush off there to see if it was true, to get some confirmation that she might have heard from Yahweh? Or was she sent up by her mum to help Elizabeth out? We don't know. But we know she went off fairly soon. When she and Elizabeth met, there was an astonishing, Astonishing reaction. The baby in Elizabeth's womb, and that baby, by the way, was John the Baptist, 
leapt. Now, come on, ladies. We've all felt the baby in the womb move about, haven't we? We've all felt the baby having hijinks in there, especially as we get on in pregnancy. But this was something different, and it was so different that, that, that she, Elizabeth knew it was different. And, and she, she, the Holy Spirit came down on her at the same time, and she began to prophesy all over Miriam and talked about how she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. It was an astonishing meeting, and, and Miriam got so blessed that she up and started to prophesy, and it was just not what an extraordinary time that must have been. Can't imagine it. It was a great witness of the Holy Spirit for both those women. And Miriam stayed there for three months till the baby John was born. There was a lot of excitement around that because uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were old. It was a miracle baby. Zachariah couldn't, had been struck dumb in the temple. He couldn't speak. And when the baby was born, he began to speak. So it was very exciting. And when Miriam went home, three months after she'd gone up there, she was pregnant and she knew that. What happened when she got back to Nazareth? Was she bubbling over with excitement about the miracle of John? Was she pouring it all out and telling everybody what happened? Because there was no telephone, there was no Zoom. There was nothing to communicate with except by going and communicating. When did her mother notice? We girls, we women, we know, don't we? We notice these things. When did they talk about it? She was three months pregnant. She went to the hills three months ago. What's happened? How did their family react? This beloved, betrothed virgin daughter had apparently committed a crime punishable by death. Can you imagine what shock waves of pain and grief would engulf them? What could they do? And who told Joseph? <clears throat> who told Joseph? Was it her father? Joseph was a just and righteous man. He'd been chosen, hand-picked by Yahweh, to nurture his own son. So he had to have been a just man. And what must he have been going through when he heard about this? Uh, can you see him? What would, you know, I, I know more about a woman's side, but I can just imagine a man walking the streets of Nazareth, staring into the darkness of the night, paralyzed by shock and disbelief, drowning in waves of grief and disappointment struggling with his love for her, aware of his right to denounce her, to sentence her to death by stoning. In fact, it was his right to throw the first stone. <coughs> Excuse me. Can we imagine him sitting far into the night, experiencing love and pain, kindness and betrayal, anguish, bitterness, heartache, a kaleidoscope of emotion numbing his brain until he makes 
his decision. Matthew 1 verse 20 said, <clears throat> And Joseph, her promised husband, being a just and righteous man, and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. And so the storm subsides. And you know, after you've had an emotional storm like that, there's a kind of a, a mind-numbing weariness, isn't there? A hollow emptiness of spent anger and bleak misery. And then, into this scene steps the angel. You know, why didn't that angel turn up sooner? I have asked myself that. You know, all of that fuss and all of that anguish that that poor man went through. But you know, as I have grown and matured in my walk with Yahweh, I have noticed that we often experience the same kind of thing. Yahweh waits while we work through all kinds of emotions and stuff and problems and difficulties till we end up in the place where he wants us to be in order to take us on in his purpose. Yahweh has a reason for all the things that he does. <clears throat> and the angel looked at Joseph and he said, Matthew 1 verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Miriam home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And there's no record of Joseph, of Joseph saying, what? Well, why didn't you tell me that earlier? I don't understand. There's no question. It apparently didn't ask any questions. There's no questions recorded. Did he have resentment? Did he have any reservations? Could he believe it? But we do know, maybe he just felt relieved. I wonder how long it took him to process that. We do know that he stood by Miriam, that he loved her and he took her to his home. He accepted his responsibilities and had no sexual relationship with her until after the birth. And I'm saying, was there a wedding? What was the next six months like? What did the families of both Miriam and Joseph have to go through in Nazareth? What was the gossip? You know how people gossip... Well, she was away for three months, she goes away, and then she comes back and she's pregnant. Well, who did she meet in the hills? Well, I think it's his. He must have, they must have been doing it before he went, because he wouldn't take her to his house if it wasn't his. Oh, such a Torah observant family. So righteous and at the synagogue every week. People are judgmental. They are, can be so hurtful. So unkind. These two people were lovely people. And I ask myself, what did they live through for six months? What did they suffer? What did it cost them to bring the Son of Yahweh into the world? <coughs> Excuse me, again. Let's have a look at the Nativity. Now, this is a scripture from the prophet Micah, and actually Brother Alcott mentioned it last week. 
The scripture says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are far from old, from ancient times. Yeshua, the son of Yahweh, the Messiah, was scheduled to be born in Bethlehem. So now we've got a problem, haven't we? Miriam is entering her third trimester. The baby is due to be born in Nazareth. All preparations are being made. But then Caesar Augustus decides to take a census of the Roman world and issued a decree that everyone should go to their hometown to be counted. Now, did Yahweh order Caesar Augustus to do that? Or did Yahweh look down the avenues of time and know that would happen? I think it, it could be either of those. And I also think there would be a, another multitude of ways that he could have got his son born in Bethlehem because that's what he wanted. Luke chapter 2, verse 3 to 5 says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Miriam, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So they set off for Nazareth and she's in her third trimester. In fact, she's almost due. So she's probably, what, 37, 39 weeks, somewhere in that area. And do you know how far it is from Nazareth to Bethlehem? It's 80, 80 miles. So I'm asking you, did she ride or did she walk? Because I can't find anywhere in the scriptures where it says that she rode on a donkey. You know, Joseph was a carpenter. He probably had a donkey. They may well have taken the donkey, loaded with stuff that they were carrying with them. But this was a young, healthy girl, used to walking everywhere and used to carrying heavy loads. I think she probably walked most of the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. If they walked for eight hours a day, they would cover approximately four, uh, 20 miles and it would take them four or five days can't be sure how she got there, but we know that she did. Luke chapter 2 verse 6 to 7 says this, so it happened that while they were there in Bethlehem that she came to the end of her time. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and as there was no place for them inside the inn, she wrapped him up and laid him in a manger. <clears throat> There are no records anywhere of this baby being born in a stable or in a cave. In fact, there's no guarantee that this inn, which is mentioned, was actually um, a, a, a hotel or a whatever, a, rest, a place where people could stay. It's not likely to have been that. The word inn comes from a Greek word, word catalima or catalima and it means a guest chamber or an upper room 
And it's, this is the word that is used for the upper room where Yeshua ate the Passover. And it was the culture at that time. People walked everywhere, maybe went on donkeys, occasionally on camels. But any time a visitor came to your town or your village, they were welcomed and fed. And so every home would have had a guest room. Now, Miriam and Yosef went to, to Bethlehem because that was their home time, town. So they will have had relatives there. And it's very doubtful that those relatives would have turned them away because it was against their culture and against their law. And this woman was already in labor and she needed a midwife. So where did they go? The inn or the guest room was full because there was already a lot of visitors in Bethlehem. So it's possible that they were put on the ground floor of the house, which was traditionally where the animals were sheltered overnight. And very often they had a manger built in on the side of the, of the house. We don't know for sure. We do not know for sure. We cannot be sure that we've been brainwashed about this, haven't we? But it's not in the scriptures. But wherever they were, she had her baby. Oh, he's arrived. How did she feel? She'd heard so much about him, but it was just a baby. Oh, he's gorgeous. She's just a woman. And then how did Joseph feel? Oh, my goodness. Yahweh's son. And what did Yahweh feel? I wonder. Well, we know he just had to tell somebody, didn't we? Because there were shepherds living quite close by and they were out in the field keeping watch over their flocks in the open at night. And then the Bible says, suddenly an angel of Yahweh stood by their side and the splendor of Yahweh blazed around them and they were terror-stricken. Else who wouldn't be? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you glorious tidings of great joy, which is for all the people. This, sorry, this very day in David's town, a saviour has been born for you. He is the Messiah. Let this prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped up and lying in a manger. And in a flash, there appeared with the angel a vast host of the armies of heaven, praising Yahweh, saying, Glory to Yahweh in the highest heaven, peace upon earth among men of goodwill. Well, I think Yahweh was pretty thrilled, don't you? I think he was really excited about his son being born. He was so excited, heaven couldn't keep quiet. Can you imagine the skies bursting open, all those angelic beings praising Yahweh? Yahweh, he was so thrilled. He marked the event as only he can. He hung a new star in the sky and he placed it over the house or the home or wherever it was that the baby was. Great, huh? The shepherds 
They rushed off immediately, the scripture says, to search for him. And truly, they were looking for a newborn wrapped in baby clothes and they found him just as the angel described. And they told his parents what had happened in the field. More things for these two to think about. The wise men didn't turn up that night. They didn't arrive until later because, you see, we know from the scriptures that they weren't looking so much for the baby, but they were looking for the star. And the star appeared when he was born. <clears throat> I think it's extraordinary that Yahweh was so thrilled that night because he had sent his son to the earth for one reason, to die. Yeshua was a ransom. His life was the price demanded for the restoration of human beings to the family of which Yahweh is father. We, you and I, we were created to be part of this family. And the thing that has separated us from it is sin. Sin is in all of us when we are born. No one has to teach a child to be naughty. This sin separated us from our Father. It will be punished because Yahweh is fair and just. All wrongdoing has a price tag. The ransom paid by Yeshua is connected to that price tag. And it's a price tag of punishment and separation. Yeshua took that punishment himself. So if we come to him, and ask, we can be forgiven for our sins and we can be restored into the family of heaven. There are some people today who are listening to me who have never asked for forgiveness and I want to speak to you. What is hindering you? Take a moment. Think about it. You too can be forgiven. And there are some people listening today who have taken this step, but you've been sidetracked. You're no longer as close as you once were. Yahweh and Yeshua are still only a prayer away. Come back. if we could pray together I want to pray first for those who need forgiveness and then for those who need to come back will you pray with me Heavenly Father thank you for sending Yeshua to die for caring enough for us to want to pay the ransom to welcome us back into your family I ask you to hear the hearts of everyone who is connecting with my prayer right now. Hear them as they express sorrow for wrongdoing and ask forgiveness for sin. Hear each one who is quietly saying, remember me too. I pray, my Father, that you will grant forgiveness and peace in the name of Yeshua. 
Dear Father, let your love and compassion reach out to those who are wanting to return to you today. Give them the assurance that they are acceptable and accepted because of Yeshua. Fill each one with your own special peace, confirming that you have heard their call in the name of Yeshua. Thank you, my Father, for being with us today and for hearing and answering our prayers. Amen. Thank you for spending some time with us. We hope that you've been encouraged and inspired. We pray that what you've heard will transform your life.